You know, I shared last week that the Holy Spirit comes for salvation. Who remembers the three things that the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. You know, for salvation to authentically happen in a person, they must experience conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the Holy Spirit comes and he deals first with our sin. The sin first of unbelief in Jesus. And then he brings conviction of all other sin in our life. Then the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts us of righteousness. There's this thing that the Holy Spirit does in us where he convinces us that my goodness, my niceness, my kindness is garbage compared to Jesus. That my righteousness cannot produce eternal life. And there was, you see, and the Holy Spirit, you know, convicts us because Jesus was the only perfect man that God fully accepted. It was only Jesus. He was the only one. Firstborn of the dead, resurrected, come on back to heaven. You are welcome here. You did it perfectly. God proved his acceptance of Jesus by resurrecting him and receiving him back into heaven. And we can only enter heaven by accepting and taking on that righteousness from Jesus. And so we've got to be convinced that our own righteousness is garbage and that we only trust in Jesus. I get convicted of that so many times because when I fail and I sin and I keep thinking, oh, great, here we go again. I just, where I'm at zero again with God, you know, like I was earning points with him with all my goodness, you know. I mean, like this, you know, I I mean, it happened this week. I, I, I did something I just totally regretted and I was like, crap, now my message is going to be terrible because I wasn't good all week. <laughs> it's not going to be anointed and God's not going to honor it because now I got to prove to him I really love him. And God was like, really? Really? There's a message I want you to go listen to, Tom. At New Covenant, my, my NCWC.com. It was last week's message. Your righteousness is garbage, man. Just trust me. And I did. I said, God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. It was so good to run back to him in the midst of my failure. And then the final thing that we talked about last week is the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts us of judgment because there will come a day when every person will be judged for what they did and all people who do not have their name written in the book of life will never enter heaven and they will face an eternity of torment and I also shared that it is up to us to allow the Holy Spirit to bear witness through us so that he can convict people We have to tell people about Jesus. 
We have to tell people about our sin. We have to tell people about the righteousness of Christ. We have to tell people that there's a judgment coming. But there's good news. You've been rescued from it if you will accept this free gift. And we learned last week that conviction is something I can't bring on someone. It is only the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot bring conviction. We must be faithful to share the good news of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And again, I know this is a very sobering thought, but I'm saying this to these people in this room and those who are watching online. If we have not been convicted of these three things, it is very likely you have not experienced true salvation. Our unsaved friends and family are depending on us to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Because the world is going to hell without the work of the Holy Spirit through us. So that was last week. So there's your catch up. Well, Today I want to look at what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do when he comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes... It comes for guidance. It comes for revelation. You know, every person on the planet, I believe, is looking for a better tomorrow. Parents want a better tomorrow for their kids. Kids hope their adult life will be better than their youth. We all hope for better jobs, better relationships, better health, a better future. And so as I share this message today, I really, I really want to drive deep in our hearts that all of our betters are going to come through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. See, your opportunity at having a better tomorrow is directly connected to following the guidance of the Holy Spirit today. Amen. Hope for tomorrow starts with the Holy Helper today. And your better future will be found in the wisdom of God's Holy Spirit. So learning to follow the Holy Spirit as he unfolds truth, the truth of Jesus, and how to live that life, that's how we get our betters. And learning to be, to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit is probably the most significant lesson we can learn in our life. So I want to dive back into John 16 and hear what else Jesus said the Holy Spirit will do when he comes to us. In verse 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. He says, I, have, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. You know, as a parent, I have had many times in my parenting experience where I had information that I could share with my children but they just wouldn't understand. You know, think about all the times you tried to explain something to a child and they just they couldn't comprehend it, you know? I mean, imagine explaining to a four-year-old how an engine works. Or heck, 
Imagine explaining it to me. <laughs> you know, my robust knowledge of, of you know, un- engines is, you know, gas go here, key go here, pedal go down, car go forward. <laughs> That's all I got. Me and the four-year-old, we are, we are in this together. So, so here we have the disciples And they've been with Jesus for, you know, over three years. And everything they learned from Jesus, it was good and it was true. But they haven't learned everything they need to know. And at this point, the disciples don't even understand the resurrection. They can't even comprehend that Jesus will be crucified and raised to life. And that event is going to make everything else Jesus said make a whole bunch of sense. And so, in essence, Jesus is telling his disciples, you know, guys, I want to teach you physics and I want to teach you calculus, but you don't even understand multiplication. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, Jesus had promised the disciples that the Holy Spirit would teach them all things. Remember, we talked about that. He said, I'll teach you all things. And we know that that means within the the interpretation and in the significance of Jesus and his work. We know that that's where he was talking about. But they haven't seen and heard everything they need to know. And so the resurrection alone is going to be so paradigm shifting that they would have to wait until after it happened and the Holy Spirit comes before they can get more information about how this kingdom thing is going to work. See, up until this point, the disciples were hearing everything Jesus said through a filter. And that filter was, we are setting up the kingdom right now. We are going to set up the kingdom right now. We are going to overthrow the Romans finally and their oppression of us. And this is our moment we've all been waiting for as Jews because we've got lots of prophetic words about this. I mean, why do you think they argued so much about who was the greatest among them? I'm going to be vice president. I'll be secretary of state. And why do you think they were requesting, you know, to sit at the left hand or the right hand of Jesus? They thought right now was the time to set up the earthly kingdom. And Jesus, you're going to be our supreme leader. We're going to make this thing happen. And that is why the crucifixion was so devastating. Their paradigm was completely shattered. But now, the resurrection would be the new lens that they would see and they would hear his teachings through. But until that resurrection, they couldn't hear anything more. They could not understand physics and calculus until they first understood multiplication. Now, there is another implication to what Jesus said here. In Christianity, there are some people who claim that they only read and listen to the words of Jesus in the New Testament. They reject or refuse to hear and live by the teachings of 
the apostles. Now, this is a dangerous and critical error on their part. And it shows that they have no understanding of what these words Jesus spoke here in John 16, 12 mean. You see, the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit was a promise that he would bring more teaching, more understanding, more truth. That means that everything Paul, John, Peter, James, and the others, everything they would write is the fulfillment of what Jesus said here in 1612. The apostles are teaching the teachings of Jesus. This is a continuation of the teachings of Jesus. Now, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he had more to say, and he said it through their writings. So we can't go, well, this is Paul's opinion of the matter. Well, that's Peter's. Eh, I don't like Peter. He was a hothead. Jesus said, I have more to say, more to say, more to teach you, more truth to give you. So listen to these guys, because they have got the Holy Helper who is the same as me. What they wrote is a continuation of all that Jesus needed to teach us. Amen? So let's look at the next few verses here. Verse 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and therefore I, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit comes and he guides us in all truth. Now, what we know from John 14, 26, we've already looked at, that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would teach us all things, right? And again, let's remember that all things doesn't mean everything there is to know. It means that the Holy Spirit will teach all things within the limits of interpretation and the significance of Jesus and his work. So in John 16, 13, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will guide us in all the truth. And what he means is as he guides us in all truth, we will grow as he further illuminates the scripture to us. We will be taken deeper and deeper into the essential truth of God. And there's a, a term, the process of being guided in all truth means that we will be given the mind of Christ as the Spirit takes what is Christ and declares it and discloses it to us. Paul described it very well in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but as it's written, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard, nor the heart of, a, of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. 
Now, if we were to describe this guiding and declaring work of the Holy Spirit with one word, it would be revelation. To Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, whose great work is to bring God's truth to us. And we have a special name for this bringing of God's truth to us. We call it revelation. I got a revelation from the Lord the other day. God showed me something. And really, there's no passage in the New Testament that shows us what we call the principle of revelation better than this passage in John 16, 13 through 15. That's the process of how we get more revelation. So what is revelation? Let's look at some things. First of all, revelation is a progressive process. Many things Jesus knew he could not at that moment tell his disciples because they were not able to receive them. See, it's only possible to tell people as much as they can understand. You know, as I shared in my example earlier, we can't learn physics or calculus until we understand multiplication. You know, when we learn a foreign language, we don't start with the most difficult concepts. We start with the easy words. You know, like in Spanish, no. In Russian, da, et prevda. I tried to learn a new word. I was, as we were preparing, thinking we were going to Russia, I, was, I wanted to learn some Russian, and so I spoke with Galena, and I found a word. It's a greeting, and uh, it's zrastroche. Zrastroche, yeah. And she kept, I kept saying zrastroche. She goes, no, no, it's on the first, the, the emphasis on the first. And I was like, no. She goes, yes, that's it. I was like, ah, which is just hello. It's a formal hello. It's what you say when you meet the police. <laughs> just want to be polite. Hi. But when, we, when we, we learn something, we start with the easy stuff, right? We start with the easy words. And so in every new revelation, we start with the easy and simple things. And God's revelation to men and women is like that. He starts us with the easy stuff. He moves us progressively. He teaches us only what we're able to learn. Think about the Old Testament compared to the New Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, God teaches his people about sin as a destructive force in people's lives. And in order to teach the severity of sin, God taught them that there must be a sacrifice. The blood of a lamb was required to make payment for the sin. Sometimes the sin was so severe that the person who committed it had to pay with their own life. So in that stage, the Old Testament, people learn about the power of sin and God, what God's holy standards were. 
But then we have the New Testament. Now, we still learn in the New Testament that the wages of sin are death. But we also learn that there's a free gift of salvation that comes from the life of the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus. And so we no longer live under an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth. So when Jesus came, he showed us the way to deal with sin was through his cleansing blood. That's how we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. Amen. You don't have to give up your own life. See, the revelation of salvation was progressive. God taught his people over a very long time through the process of revelation. You know, something else that we can learn from these scriptures is that there is no end to God's revelation. One of the mistakes that some Christians make in the body of Christ is uh, that the Bible is all that God had to say about everything. Which means that since about 120 A.D., which is when the, the latest book of the New Testament was written, since 120 A.D., God no longer talks. He no longer speaks. We have to reject that. We have to reject that thinking because God's Spirit is active. He is always revealing himself. Now listen, it is true uh, that God's supreme and unsurpassable revelation came in the man Christ Jesus. But Jesus is not just a figure in a book. He is a living person. And in him, God's revelation goes on. God is still leading us into a greater realization of what Jesus means to us and to the world. He's not a God who just spoke, you know, all the way up till 120 AD. And then he's, I'm done, tapped out, good luck. Hope you figure it out. No, no, God is still revealing truth. He's still speaking to us. Second thing, God's revelation to men and women is a revelation of all truth. It is quite wrong to think that all truth has to only be revealed from God. It can only be theological truth. Theologians and preachers are not the only people who are inspired. You see, when a poet delivers a great message in words that defy time, that's inspiration. You know, great mus musicians were inspired through history. Handel, who wrote uh, the Hallelujah Chorus, he said, when he wrote that, part of the process, he said, I saw the heavens opened up. You know, when a scientist discovers something which will help the world's troubles and make life better for everyone. When a surgeon discovers a new technique that will save lives and ease pain. You know, when someone discovers a new treatment that'll bring life and hope to suffering humanity, that's revelation. Yeah. All truth is God's truth. And the revelation of all truth is the work of God's Holy Spirit. Number three, that which is revealed comes from God. 
He is both the possessor and the giver of all truth. Truth is not a human discovery. It is a gift from God. It's not something that we create. It's something that's already waiting to be discovered. At the back of all truth is God. And then number four, revelation is the taking of things of Jesus and revealing their significance to us. Part of the greatness of Jesus is his inexhaustibleness. Spell that. No one has ever grasped all that he came to say. No one has fully grasped what Jesus came to say. No one has fully worked out all of the significance of all of his teaching. All of it, how it's applied to the individual, how it's applied to the world, for life, for belief, for society, for nations. No one has exhausted it. Revelation is a continual opening out of the meaning of Jesus. Revelation comes to us from a living person, the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will declare. And the nearer we live to Jesus, the better we get to know him. The more we become like him, the more he will be able to disclose to us. He can trust us with more when he sees that we're faithful with more. To enjoy his revelation, we must walk with his spirit every day. So again, let's recap here. With the whole, with, what we said in John 16, it says the Holy Spirit comes. He's going to guide us in all truth. He's going to speak and declare to us what he hears from the Father and the Son. He will declare things to come. He will glorify Jesus. He will take what belongs to Christ and declare it to us. This is the revelatory work of the Holy Spirit guiding us through everything that he declares to us. This is revelation. Paul even prayed that we would have this working in our lives. He said in Ephesians 1, he said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. I love this scripture. I pray it. As I was doing my research for my message, I, I came across an article on uh, renner.org, and it talks about this verse in Ephesians, and it just it explains it so well. I tried to figure out a way to, to kind of re-say it, and I'm just not going to even try because this it was so good. So I am going to read this article to us. It's really good. It's called A Spirit of... Wisdom and revelation for you. It says, the word wisdom in this verse is from the Greek word sophias. It is an old Greek word that was used to describe insight or wisdom not naturally attained. In other words, this is not natural human wisdom. This is special insight. The word revelation is from the word Apokalupis, 
Apocalypsis. And it is referring to something that has been veiled or hidden for a long time. And then suddenly, almost instantaneously, becomes clear and visible to the mind. It's like the pulling curtains out of the way and you can see what has always been there just outside your window. The scene was always there for you to enjoy, but the curtains blocked your ability to see the real picture. But when the curtains are pulled apart, you can suddenly see what's been hidden from your view. The moment you see beyond the curtain for the first time and observe what has been there all along and not evident to you, that is what the Bible calls revelation. Now apply the meaning of this word to the realm of spiritual truths. The truths we now grasp and enjoy were always there in the realm of the spirit but they were veiled, hidden to us. It wasn't the time for these truths to be revealed yet. So they remained obscured from our sight, even though we were always, they were always there. But once the right time came and the Holy Spirit removed the veil that obscured our view, our minds instantly saw and understood. When this occurred, you and I had a revelation. Can you remember times in your past when you suddenly saw something in the Bible you had never seen before? That truth had been there all along. It had been hidden to your eyes. Then suddenly one day it was as if someone pulled the covers off of that verse and it literally jumped off the pages in front of you. You saw it. You understood it. You had a revelation. It is a fact that truth remains hidden till the screen stops flickering. Is it just that one? Sorry, squirrel. It is a fact that truth remains hidden until God chooses to reveal them to us. That is why Paul prayed for God to give the Ephesian church a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And that phrase, to give, is the Greek word, Ditto me, which means to hand something over completely to someone else. Could also be translated to impart. Because the Ephesian church needed wisdom beyond their human understanding. Paul asked God to give them what they needed. Special insight that is not naturally attained. Then Paul clarified what he meant by adding the word revelation. So if we took that all into consideration and we reread Ephesians 17, 1.17, paraphrase, it could say this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you special insight. I'm talking about wisdom that is not naturally attained. This is the divine moment when the curtains are drawn back and you are supernaturally enabled to see what you could never see by yourself. God had all the answers the Ephesian believers needed. By themselves, they would never have been smart enough to figure it all out. So Paul had prayed. He requested that God would impart to them the wisdom they needed. Then Paul clarified this kind of wisdom that would come through revelation, which only God can give. 
So back to John 16 again. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine, declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is guiding us in all truth to and through continual revelation. So, how does this connect to a better tomorrow? How does this connect to a better future? Well, the connection is here in John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And here's the connection. A better future is always connected to a freer future. Now, notice that I didn't say that a better future is uh, a lawless future. Freedom and lawlessness are not the same thing. And I'm not going to explain that today. But a better future is always connected to a freer future. Whether it's freedom from fear, freedom from mental or emotional anguish, freedom from physical suffering, freedom from discrimination, freedom from guilt, freedom from sin. Life can improve only as we apply truth because truth makes us free. And ultimate truth comes from the Holy Word of God as revealed by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said the spirit of truth is our guide into all truth. So following the Holy Spirit as he guides us in truth leads us to a better tomorrow that is full of freedom. You know, there's a reason why America is the greatest nation on the earth. It's because it's the freest nation on the earth. Everyone who comes to America knows that they can have a better future because there's more freedom here than anywhere else. Now listen, America is far from perfect. We are not perfect but it is the land of the free. But you know, there is a place that's even more free than America. It's the kingdom of heaven. And if you are looking for tomorrow to be better than today, you need freedom that comes from truth. Jesus promised that the spirit of truth would guide us in all the truth. And when the Holy Spirit comes under the authority of Jesus, he will declare what he hears from the Father and the Son. He will take what belongs to the Father and the Son and he will declare it to us. He will speak it. We can hear it in our heart, in our mind. We can have thoughts. We can have feelings. We can have knowings. 
See, there's a gap between where we are in life and the better life that we're longing for. There's a gap here. The Holy Spirit is the bridge that closes that gap. Is your marriage suffering? Then I ask you, are you listening to the Holy Spirit declare truth to you? Are you longing to find someone to have a life in marriage with? I ask you, are you listening to the spirit of truth? Are you concerned with where things are at in our culture? Then listen to the spirit of truth and obey his voice. Most of us lose hope because we don't hear or we don't listen to the Holy Spirit when he tries to apply truth to our lives. And we're miserable. Jesus said the Holy Spirit comes for guidance and for revelation. This is one more amazing benefit of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes. And when He comes, He comes to guide us. He comes for revelation. Your opportunity at having a better tomorrow is directly connected to following the guidance of the Holy Spirit today. Hope for tomorrow starts with the Holy Helper right now. You can't go, well, Monday morning I'm going to get my act together. Now. You're only living now. Right now. Now is it. This is the only moment you got. There it went. There another one went. Now. This is the only opportunity you have for a better tomorrow is to start doing something right now. Your better future will be found in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In fact, let's say that together. Say, my better tomorrow is found in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Amen. So here's the action plan for this week. Where have you been ignoring truth that the Holy Spirit has been declaring to you? Next, I want you to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and declare the things the Father and Jesus are saying. Like, pray that for yourself. Holy Spirit, declare this. What is the Lord saying to me through His Word today? Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be upon you and your whole family. Repent for not following the spirit of truth, leading you into more freedom. That's how you get a better tomorrow. It's a freer tomorrow. And then I want you to talk with your family about how applying truth makes us free how freedom makes for a better tomorrow. Parents, this is how you disciple your kids. You sit around the table at dinner time. You ask them, 
Who wants to be free? If they're smart alecks like my kids, they'll go, not me. <laughs> All right, no Xbox for the rest of your life. <laughs> Wait, no. Talk to your family about this stuff. Please teach them what we're talking about, what this means. Do something today that your future self will thank you for. Because our actions and decisions today will be shaping the way we live in the future. Amen? All right. Well, that's a two-day prep sermon right there. You're out 10 minutes early. Let's pray. Because the Holy Spirit's going to do a lot more work than anything I said. So, Father, we just, we, we welcome the spirit of wisdom and revelation into this house right now. We're asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation now to fall upon every heart in this room that you would guide us into all the truth. Father, we are asking again, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let the Holy Spirit come and now guide us in all truth, all wisdom, God. And Father, we repent for being stubborn against truth. God, we repent for being stubborn against, Lord, when you lead us in those nudgings of every day. Forgive us, God. Jesus. Father, I pray. I pray for some fresh starts because I know there's some, I feel like there's some shame in our room right now. Just, I feel like there's just, some hopelessness. And I just want to break that in the name of Jesus. And I think some of, there's some of you, when I, when I told about my own struggle this week and, and how I felt like I had just wiped out all my good boy points with God. And I just want to say all of your points are wiped out too. So let's just press into the righteousness of Christ in this moment. All your good boy and good girl points, they're gone. They don't count. So Father, we're pressing in right now into righteousness for you. It comes from Jesus. I just feel like the Lord is um, giving me a word of knowledge for anyone who has a pain in your wrist. Um, could be carpal tunnel, could be something else, but if you've got pain in your wrist, I just 
want you to just kind of lift a hand in the air. If someone related to you maybe is close by, if they could lay hands on you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak to wrist today. We say we command to be healed in Jesus' name. Every ounce of carpal tunnel, you go in the name of Jesus. Every misalignment of a bone and a ligament, we command you to be aligned now in the name of Jesus. Ongoing pain, we ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would remove that pain. God, we're asking for full mobility, full use, God. And I, I, I can see that the, it's going up the arm, and so we're going to pray for shoulders too. So if you have a shoulder issue right now, you raise your hand if you can or do something, wiggle in your seat. or We're just going to pray for shoulders right now too. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for shoulders. We command, God, every, every rotator cuff to be healed, God, every flexor to be, to be strengthened in the name of Jesus, God. We're commanding pain to leave the body right now in the name of Jesus. Every wrist, every shoulder, God, in the name of Jesus, release. Tight muscles be released in Jesus' name. Let go of the shoulder, relax. And the Lord says that the burdens that some of you are carrying are not yours, Get rid of them today in Jesus' name. Put them on me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so we release heavy weights that we're carrying in the spirit. Stress right now in the name of Jesus. We release it to you, God. We humble ourselves. We bow before you and we place the heavy pack at your feet and say, thank you for taking this off of us in the name of Jesus. Complete healing in the shoulder, in the wrist. The elbow is in the, it's on the way up, so let's do elbows in Jesus' name. We command elbows to be healed. Tennis elbow, get out in Jesus' name. Be released in Jesus' name. Joint work, bone work, muscles work, tendons work. In Jesus' name, just heal us, God, from our wrist to our shoulder today. Completely remove the pain, Father. In Jesus' name. And for those of you who who took off your pack, I just want you to know that God's got an amazing week for you. He's got an amazing week for everybody, but I just want you to know specifically. I just saw him, like, walking with you. And you were lighter. You were happier. Because you took it off and you put it at his feet. I just see him walking with you. So we thank you, God. We, we bless Monday morning in this house. Let everyone's Monday morning be one full of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let us walk with him every moment and every day. Let us keep our heart turned to you, tuned in to you. Remind us of those breath prayers, God, those simple ways of turning to you, God. Remind us how near you are and how much, how much you want to talk to us and share with us. So we walk with you, God.
We love you, Father. We give you praise for this day, worship, the Sabbath of you, God. We seal this time today, God. We bless you, Father, in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen.